Welcome into the Solo Shot Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Manna. Happy Solo Shot Saturday, May 6th. Baseball season is absolutely cruising right now. And Fernando Tatis is officially back. He started off slow, coming off his suspension. But he is continuing to show you why he was looked at as one of the future faces of baseball owning the Dodgers with two monster home runs, and he's playing a pretty respectable outfield to go with it. Jazz Chisholm was the face of MLB The Show 23. His team traded for Luis Arise and moved Jazz out to center field, and Jazz has struggled offensively and not looked great as a defensive center fielder. He's made some highlight plays, but I've seen a lot of mistakes that clearly show that he wasn't prepared for such an overtaking. It's a little bit easier in the corners, granted for Fernando Tatis, but the level of athlete and the way that he's adapted to the outfield from his time in the minor leagues as well as spring training has really shown for those Padres who have moved up my power rankings that you can see below scrolling past you. There's been a lot of risers and fallers since last week. I had a monthly recap Some teams have gotten really hot, and other teams have kind of fizzled out. But it's going to be exciting. There's still a lot of baseball left to be played, ladies and gentlemen. And Fernando Tatis is looking like, while he's healthy, he will have that Byron Buxton effect where you just want to watch every at-bat. He is a superb talent, and I'm very excited to see what that San Diego offense can do now that he's clicking with Xander Bogarts, with Juan Soto and Manny Machado, who still haven't hit their stride. That team is absolutely loaded. Taking it down to first base, a tale of two socks. Now, all of you know that I am a fan of the Boston Red Sox and that I had very low expectations coming into this season. However, there comes a time where you have to react to what's happening on the field you've seen some teams finally start to drop out of where i had them and some teams really start to rise and the boston red sox had a huge jump in my power rankings they have the second most home runs in the american league behind the tampa bay rays who are just a home run factory to begin the season they have won seven straight and these seven straight have not been against bad teams they had a four game sweep of what I think is the third best roster in baseball in the Toronto Blue Jays. And they just beat Zach Wheeler, who is a great pitcher in the National League against the Phillies last night. This Boston Red Sox team, the big question mark has been pitching. Do they have enough pitchers to be relevant? We haven't seen Chris Sale be himself in multiple years. I picked him to be my American League Comeback Player of the Year. That has looked very up and down, but Chris Sale blowing 98 plus mile per hour pitches past Bryce Harper in his last start. 
if you can get that Chris Sale two times out of three, you're going to be in a pretty good situation. And I think the most overlooked part of Chris Sale's success when he is pitching well is that he's not leaving the game early because of injury. He clearly is in the best shape he's been the past three years. I believe that Chris Sale is going to be a very solid anchor for this rotation and their playoff chances will go as he goes. But behind Chris Sale, you have Nick Pavetta and Tanner Houck, who are both around a five ERA guys that on a real contender, you'd want them to be your fourth, fifth starter, but they're looking to be the two and three. Garrett Whitlock is currently hurt, and that is very unfortunate for all Red Sox fans out there. He was one of the pieces you wanted to see the most out of this season. And we don't know exactly when he's going to be back, but so far there hasn't been any implementations that he will be missing a lot of time. Then you look at the last couple spots of the rotation. Corey Kluber has finally started to pitch all right. He got through games. Very nice start against the Orioles, only giving up one run and getting out of trouble multiple times. He's a professional pitcher who won a couple of Cy Youngs, one that I believe he stole from Chris Sale. He's not going to leave the rotation. They're paying him $10 million this year. It would be a really bad look for them to give up on him so fast after giving him that kind of deal. He's a respected veteran in the league. And then there's Brian Bellow. And Brian Bale has been a interesting ride to begin the season. He had forearm tightness during the spring. He finally came up, had one good start, one bad start. When they decided to move around the pitching rotation, he got optioned for about a couple days and he was really hurt by that. There was reports that he was crying over the demotion, which was stunning to see. I mean, Obviously, you think as a young player in a rebuilding year almost that you would get the opportunity to start. But Nick Pavetta, Corey Kluber, and Chris Sale can't be optioned down. And Tanner Houck has just flat out pitched better than Brian Bayo to begin the season. So Bayo, Cutter Crawford, those kind of guys were really on the fringe of will they be in the bullpen? Will they be in the minor leagues? And Brian Bayo has flat-out flashed, I think, true number three potential with the chance to be a number two. His baseball savant page has a lot of positive-looking things, and I believe that Brian Bayo will be the X factor to this Red Sox run for the starting rotation. You have Chris Sale. When you get good Chris Sale, you're going to be in a good place. When you get bad Chris Sale, you're going to be in a bad place. You have a bunch of guys who can eat up innings and be all right with Pavetta, Hauk, and Kluber. And then you have Brian Bayo, who has the ability to be better than just an inning eater, a guy that could be like Chris Sale, where when he is on, he gives the Red Sox a very good chance to win. But what has been the biggest thing that has impressed me as a Red Sox fan is this lineup's resiliency. The way that they hit with two strikes, the way that they hit when they are down in games, they do not give up. And there's been a ton of great hitters 
Alex Verdugo, who's been Mr. Walkoff for the Red Sox this year, having a career year in a contract year. I definitely think him not getting that extension has lit a fire under his butt, and he is really starting to roll. Jaron Duran, who was a super hyped prospect, came up last year and didn't do much. He has changed his approach this year. He gives credit to the veteran players in the clubhouse, Justin Turner, Kike Hernandez, etc., for letting Jaron be himself. And he has some of the highest exit velocities in the league. He finally has enough at-bats to qualify for a baseball savant page. And his exit velocity is legit. He has 11 doubles in 18 games and is one of the 15, 20 fastest players in all of Major League Baseball. But the biggest just impression for this Red Sox team has to be Masataka Yoshida. When they signed him, the reports were that no other team valued him quite at the clip that the Red Sox were willing to pay him. There were some really positive comps and some really detrimental comps talking about his terrible defense. I'm not saying he's going to win a gold glove out there, but he's made some solid plays. He's learned how to play the monster quicker than a lot of guys I've seen over the years. And he's flat out hitting to all fields. You are seeing the guy who led the world baseball classic in runs batted in. He had the most RBIs in a world classic in history and during Japan's championship run. And he is a legit middle of the lineup bat to take some pressure off of Raphael Devers, who right now isn't even playing his hottest baseball. But the Verdugos, Durans, Yoshidas, even the catching position, Connor Wong and Reese McGuire, this Red Sox team, top to bottom, they hit. And yes, are a lot of people out of place defensively? The injuries have been awful. But if this team can play this well against this good of teams right now, just wait until they get Garrett Whitlock and James Paxton as rotation options. Just wait until Trevor Story and Adam Duvall get back in the fold. These are legit players. I'm recording. (laughs) Um, But these are legit players. And... I'm very excited to see what the Red Sox can do the rest of the way. So much has been made about this team. And I am just very excited as a Red Sox fan. I'm not pushing them up into the top 10 as a real title contender, but I truly do believe that this team is going to be watchable. And the beginning of the year, watching them struggle against the Orioles and the Pirates, who have both impressed me as well. I truly think this Red Sox team is going to be fun to watch, and they're going to be in contention, which is all you can ask for as a Boston sports fan. When you're paying that much money to a roster, you want them to be competitive. You don't want them to be down in the dumps, injuries or not. But a tale of two socks is because of the Chicago White Sox, a team I didn't have high expectations for this year, but a team that seems to really have just missed its window. They had everything coming together with a group of young 
up and coming prospects as well as some veterans and legit pitching. Tony LaRusa, Hall of Fame manager, came out of retirement to coach this team, and they were never able to get over the hump, and they've just continued to struggle, so much so that the announcer has said for every consecutive game that the White Sox win, he will remove a piece of clothing during his broadcast. It is getting very desperate out there in Chicago, a team that has always been the little brother in its own city even when they broke their curse of a World Series in 2005 before the Cubs did in 2016, the majority of baseball didn't acknowledge it. It stinks. I know Boston and Chicago Cubs had longer World Series droughts, but the White Sox to have that big drought, have that history of the Black Sox scandal, and then to win in 2005 and be one of the most forgettable World Series winners of the last 20 years, it just shows that the White Sox have always kind of been out of the public mind. And it's a shame. I feel bad for their fans. They paid a lot of money to Andrew Benintendi this offseason. He has not been hitting. A lot of their prospects have not been able to either stay healthy or consistently produce. And one of my favorite players in all of baseball, Pimpit Tim Anderson, the shortstop, wins a batting title, hits a walk-off home run at the Field of Dreams. He has all these great moments, and we don't get to see him playing meaningful baseball games. Tim Anderson is a guy that I have zero doubt in postseason play would up his game, and he's not going to get a chance to do that, at least in Chicago. I expect them to be a fire sale if this play continues. There's been jokes about bringing back Ozzie Guillen as manager. I don't know what's going to happen. Something needs to change in that clubhouse before it is too late. Tale of two Sox. Red Sox really impressing me, and the White Sox really disappointing me. Feel great for the Red Sox fan base, and I'm very sorry to all you Chicago White Sox fans out there. As we round it up to second, this is a real conversation we need to have as baseball fans. Do we not appreciate Shohei Otani? And the reason I ask this is not because of him being covered. He's covered quite a bit. But I feel like people get complacent in life and overlook good things that they have until it's gone. And Shohei Otani is doing things that are absolutely magical. He is truly a unicorn on the field pitching at a Cy Young caliber and a guy that's going to hit 25 to 40 bombs. We're never going to see this again, people, not in our lifetime. People who might be able to emulate, but to produce this, a top-of-the-line starter with that kind of power, doing both on the same day in a league where they have ditched pitchers hitting completely because it was just sad to watch. Shohei Otani has been so amazing and breaks the mold in a lot of ways. I know a lot of people, when they look at potential future Hall of Famers, they look at, does they have a chance to get near 3,000 hits? Are they going to get 500 home runs? Do they have the hardware, MVPs, World Series trophies, Rookie of the Years, All-Star Games, Gold Gloves, Silver Sluggers? Do they have that hardware? Shohei Otani, 
This is going to be his third year in a row playing at this level. If you do this for five years, you're not just going to be a Hall of Famer. You're going to be first ballot pushing unanimous. The Baseball Hall of Fame is the hardest Hall of Fame to get into in all of sports. And we are watching history in front of our eyes every day. For years, people have been saying, do the Angels appreciate Mike Trout and Shohei Otani? Wasting the careers of these legends on a team that's barely fighting to be over 500. But now I ask the baseball media and content creators and fans out there, do we not appreciate that we were lucky enough to be born in the era to watch Shohei Otani? Whenever he gets talked about on a show, I see people clicking off and saying, we hear enough about this guy. We get it. He's great. Maybe if he was doing it in an LA or a New York or a Boston and competing for championships, maybe then he would get the praise that you see these great athletes do like a LeBron James or a Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. But because he plays for a bad team, and he's breaking records every couple of weeks, people are just ignoring it. If you have an opportunity to watch Shohei Atani, whether it's on TV or in person, do it. You'll be telling your kids and your kids' kids, and if you're lucky enough, your kids' kids' kids about Shohei Otani. An unbelievable talent, and a guy that I really do hope, if the Angels are not able to contend this year, gets traded or signs somewhere that he can. The Dodgers didn't spend big this offseason, and they're looked to be the front runner for Shohei Otani services next year, an aging pitching staff, and a lineup that is very good already. Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman, and Mookie Betts in the same lineup? Are you kidding me? There's a lot to look forward to with Shohei Otani. And I really hope those of you who have been not focusing in enough or saying, I'm sick of hearing this guy, reconsider and continue to keep watching because he is an absolute treasure that this sport is so lucky to have. And I hope that if he gets in a big market like in LA, that baseball finally starts marketing their players and the Dodgers become the focal point for baseball's resurgence of popularity. You know, as we round third base here at the Solo Shot Sports Podcast, we like to throw it back at third base and keep the history of the game alive. Baseball history is American history. It's so rich. And there's a lot of great stuff that has happened here on May 6th. Not only did Gaylord Perry join the 300 win club today. I've done pitchers the last couple weeks. I didn't want to make that a trend. Babe Ruth hit his first professional home run, tying back to Shohei Otani, his first professional home run on this day. But the real story in baseball, another legend that truly doesn't get his due, 
the Say Hey Kid, Willie Mays, turns 92 today, the oldest living Hall of Fame player, and in my humble opinion, the greatest player to put on a baseball uniform. Willie Mays has over 3,200 hits, almost 3,300 hits. He has a career war of 156. If you didn't know about wins above replacement, a cumulative stat about how much better you make your team than a league average player would in the same spot. And typically, if you're pushing 70 war, you're a Hall of Famer. Willie Mays is at 156. He's over double what a Hall of Famer is in the eyes of most people. Over 2,000 runs scored. Over 1,900 runs driven in. And don't forget, he was a five-tool player. 339 stolen bases in his career to go along with 12 gold gloves at arguably the toughest defensive position that is center field, especially when he was playing at the polo grounds in New York. Huge outfield. That's why the Willie Mays catch that he is so famous for from the 54 World Series is so revered. The distance that he traveled to catch that ball was ridiculous. And not only the distance traveled, but the ability to turn on a dime and throw the ball back to second base to hold the runner. He was baseball's best and arguably first five-tool player. Absolutely amazing career. His number is retired both by the San Francisco Giants and the New York Mets. I got my Mets shirt on today for the Say Hey Kid. Willie Mays, I get he played back in the 50s and the early 70s. Younger baseball fans today outside of San Francisco really might not understand what a great player he was. In New York, he was playing with Duke Snyder and Mickey Mantle, the three center fielders in New York, and he was the youngest of them. Mickey Mantle is a lot more popular than Willie Mays, but Willie Mays' career truly does not get its due. And I wanted to throw back to a couple of Willie Mays' birthdays. May 6, 1955, Willie Mays coming off his first MVP and only World Series in 54 is facing Roberto Clemente in the Pittsburgh Pirates. And uncharacteristically, Roberto Clemente socks a triple over the head of Willie Mays. Willie got on his horse, shed his cap, and still wasn't able to get to the ball drove in the deciding run in a 3-2 victory for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Willie Mays then got the next laugh against Roberto Clemente, whitewashing them 7-0, where Roberto Clemente stole what would have been an extra base hit and right field from Willie Mays, but Mays' team got the victory. And what I think is truly amazing looking this up is 
May 6, 1968, Willie Mays got a 569-pound birthday cake that was the number two and four at Candlestick with the San Francisco Giants. That's how big of a deal Willie Mays was for baseball. Getting that big of a cake, being a first ballot Hall of Famer, being the oldest living Hall of Famer. If you have a chance, go check out the Say Hey documentary on HBO. They completely ignored the fact that Monty Irvin, who was one of the first black players in the major leagues, was an extremely important mentor to Willie during his career. But I do believe that that documentary is well done and really showed both how great Willie Mays was and the struggles that he went through that made his accomplishments that much more great. Willie Mays, happy birthday. I think that you are not appreciated enough whether it's from my baseball card collecting hobby or just in the grand scheme of baseball, you were voted one of the four greatest living players a few years back when Hank Aaron was still around. And I truly believe that like Shohei Otani and like the good things in life, there's going to be some people that don't appreciate what they had with Willie Mays until he's already gone. Go out there, watch some Willie Mays highlights today. Watch the documentary on HBO. You will not regret it. A true talent that was decades ahead of his time, where we see over the years the Ken Griffey Juniors and Mike Trout of the world. Wow. Thousands of fans. Willie Mays was even that much better. Something to think about. And we're circling home now after Willie Mays' birthday to talk about something that I think has been a product of the new rules. And with the pitch clock, pitchers are able to work faster. Hitters aren't able to adjust as much in the box. And I've really seen a rise of a two-pitch ace. Typically, in old-school baseball, you weren't a starting pitcher if you didn't have three pitches and developing a fourth or fifth to mix in. But now you're seeing with Spencer Strider of the Atlanta Braves, you're seeing it with breakout sensation, Justin Steele from the Chicago Cubs, that if you have two nasty pitches that you can locate and combine in just a beautiful array, you're going to be in a great spot with these new rules. You can work fast and you can make hitters look silly. Pitching is truly an art form. As you can tell from my throwback Saturdays and the way I talk about pitching, I really do value good starting pitching. I get excited when I see a pitcher's duel and seeing two pitch aces like Justin Steele and like Spencer Strider you are really seeing a new age of baseball commence as part of these rules. And I'm very excited to see 
where this team can go from here. If you are a fan of pitching as well, let me know in the comments below. And I hope that this will give the opportunity for more young arms to break into the majors before they develop three, four, five good pitches and shine at the major league level with a good fastball, a good slider changeup, some combination of an off-speed and a fastball. I think it opens the possibilities for more guys to pitch and for some of these older pitchers to pitch longer. I appreciate you guys, as always, for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at DominicManna44 for more baseball content. We are now up to 643 solo shot swag home runs this season. I predicted at my monthly recap that at the end of this month, we would have 1,000. We already had 135 since then. And I expect the home runs to continue to fly in. Have an amazing Saturday, people. Appreciate Shohei Otani. Say hey to Willie Mays.